Hello and welcome to Spirit Pig. This is the show that explores how to live a fulfilled life. I'm Duncan CJ and today I'm talking to Daniele Bellelli. Uh, Daniele is a man of multiple talents. He's the author of many books, including the hugely popular titles On the Warrior's Path and Create Your Own Religion. He's a university professor. Uh, he holds a fifth degree black belt in Kung Fu and is coached and, put, and fought professionally in mixed martial arts. And also, uh, he has his own podcast called The Drunken Towers Podcast, which was ranked number one in the world in the philosophy section on iTunes. So it is a huge, huge honour. I've been uh, looking forward to this one for a while and trying to get him on. So um, thank you so much for talking to me today. Thanks, man. It should be fun. <laughs> and I, th- this one's a bit of a random one, but I was, just, I was looking at like, some of your influences and stuff. And then one of this name, this name came up and I checked out his Wikipedia page and he, and he sounded like a bit of a character. Like one of your heroes is this Japanese Zen Buddhist monk called uh, oh. and a poet, Ikiyu Sojon, I think. What, what, nice. what is it about this guy that you love? He's awesome. I first found out about him. I was, um, I was reading a book by Tom Robbins, uh, who's a novelist that I worship, you know, he writes in such an amazing way, he's a brilliant writer. And, you know, I dig Zen Buddhism, I read a lot about Zen Buddhism, and then Tom Robbins was talking about how his all-time hero was the Zen Buddhist master from the 1400s, and I'm like, I can't believe I haven't heard of this guy, I need to check him out. So I started looking into EQ, and the guy is hilarious, because he's uh, completely rejected the... the bullshit spirituality or idea of spirituality that people have about this sort of clouds in the sky, just uh, mystery separated from day-to-day life. He rejects the notion of separation between the sacred and the profane. To him, you know, life here and now in the most tangible way is sacred. Sacred is going through life awake. But then going through life, you know, his main passions tend to be Zen, sure enough, Women and alcohol, those are his main, you know, he likes to drink sake, he likes a lot women and, you know, a lot of his poetry is heavily sexual in the most graphic ways. And then, and to him, he's like, yeah, you know, that's, that can be Zen too. That's, uh, <laughs> I love the guy because he's like, he's the opposite of all the spiritual posers who are trying to always kind of put themselves up with this sense of like, I am deeply spiritual. It's like, screw you. You're a human being. You're a monk in some clothes. Just, you know, be real. And uh, and I dig that fact that EQ seemed completely 100% real. No pretense, no attempt to be anything other than who he is, embracing all sides to him. And um, there's something beautiful about somebody who can be that genuine. Yeah. I love that. There's no bullshit. Just like, this is me. This is what I love. This is my passions. And just what, just, just living life to the absolute fullest. Yep. 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 Uh, I love it. So, I mean, that was just like me straight, straight off in a bit of a detour, but as in, I just wanted, I wanted to pick your brains on that. But yep. another thing is, um, I, I read that you say, you know, and you think it's quite unhealthy habit to when people like devote their entire life just to one thing and one thing only. And it kind of makes for quite a boring experience, boring people like, do you feel, I mean, because I mean, like, university professor, like, philosophy, sure. uh, MMA, mixed martial arts, obviously, like, you, you have, have got lots of varied interests. Do you think that that's what life's about, just bringing on, you know, different thoughts and just being, just throwing yourself out there and there's many different activities and things? I do. I mean, I think that there's a place for specializing. Of course, you need to, if you're going to be a quote-unquote expert in something, you need to know your stuff. But at the same time, 
If you dedicate your whole life to one thing and one thing only, it's very limiting. Not only because you're missing out on so many other things that are out there, but my bet is they are also going to miss something in your very field. You're not going to be quite as, you know, there are people who can bring in other ideas that may be more unorthodox that don't come from your field that when you do that, you can actually improve the way you work in your field. So I trust more a scientist who can go out and surf and then uh, party at night than the guy who spends all his day in the lab 24-7 and never see anything other than, you know, DNA samples. Um, I, I don't know. I find that there's... There's more to life than any one thing. You know, to me, any one field, and there are many fields I love, but any one field should serve the purpose of making life more fun and more enjoyable. It's not the other way around that life should serve the purpose of fortering that one field. Who cares? That's I'm not really all that interested in. So do you think that, that's what life's about, just what, having fun, you know? Yeah, and I think it's, um, I mean, I always, I'm weirded out when I see people who can only talk to people who are exactly like them. You know, the intellectual who can only talk to people who spend all their days reading or the gang member from the ghetto who can only talk to guys who are drug dealing and this and that. It's like, to me, if you are a real human being, you should be equally comfortable talking with the gangster on the corner as well as the scientist, as well as the housewife. Is like everybody's got something they are passionate about. Everybody has the same human emotions. They are just wearing a different clothing. They are just wearing, they may have different life experience, but uh, it always puzzles me when I see people who seem unable to make that switch because it's like let's say you are really blocked in one aspect of life and you cannot deal with life when it shows up in a in a different with a different face. Yeah, I love that. No, cause, and you can often see. I mean, you can you can you see the people who you can just chuck into any sort of social situation. It doesn't matter if it's you know like it's like an OAP old age pensioners or like some eighty year old or it's like a children's party or it's like you know a college thing. Some people can just completely adapt and actually they they come alive in any sort of social setting, don't they? Yeah, because I mean, in some way, it's not that you need to know what to say, but people like to talk about themselves. So if you just ask them, if you're honestly curious and just figure it out, even if you know nothing about their life, just listen to them, they will tell you a lot and they will volunteer that information. And then you'll start seeing parallels. I think it's like once you listen to people, you can find those parallels between uh, the experience you are familiar with and the ones that they are referring to. You know, yeah. the surface stuff may be different, the examples may be different, but there's a lot of human experience that if you pay attention, there are a lot of similarities there. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you've talked um, also about, um, I, 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 I've got to be careful because sometimes when I do these interviews, <laughs> I just quote the people back because I've just, I've, I've read things and I'm like, oh, I've got to remember to tell them about that. So I'll be careful not to quote you too much. But like, I love that you, um, it was this idea when you're talking about like a lot of the motivational speeches. I think it was when you were talking about how you wouldn't get invited to do a commencement speech or something, because it's, <laughs> it's this idea that a lot of the motivational speeches out there tell people that. You know, if you try hard enough, you, you stay true to your dreams, uh, you keep fighting the good fight, that eventually things will work out for the best. Yeah. Why, why do you not believe, why, that, why is that not the case? Well, I mean, it can be the case, yeah. and it's sweet if it works out that way, but there's, they make it sound too easy. They make it sound like it's a guarantee. If you just do this and this and that, it's all going to work out. It's like, yeah, I wish I live in that kind of Disney universe, you know, that would be sweet. 
Reality, a lot of the times, is uglier and meaner, and it doesn't quite pan out that way. So to me, it, that does not mean that we should, uh, oh, let's focus on stuff that depresses us and make us shoot ourselves. That's not the alternative at all. i rather have the stupid positive than the realistic negative. But to me, it's moved beyond those dichotomies and look at it, you know, look at reality for all of its ugly stuff, for how stuff doesn't work, for some time there is no rhyme or reason and bad shit happens and, you know, acknowledge all that and then try to figure out a way to make the absolute best of it, acknowledging the fact that you don't control the outcome ultimately. You can do the best to influence your, the outcome, but there's a lot of bad stuff that can happen. There's a lot of, uh, so to me, I think the work hard and it's go- all going to play out in the end offers um, the thing I don't like about it, the lie that I find in there is that it postpone happiness. It's kind of like you're going to be, if you do this and this and this, then it's going to work out and then you can be happy and don't worry as long as you put the right energy in, it's going to happen. And I'm like, no, it may not happen at all. So find a way to be happy right here, right now, before you achieve whatever it is you're trying to set up to achieve. And you find a way to be happy at every step of the way, because there is no guarantee that you will reach your ultimate goal. And if you are waiting to be happy until you reach your ultimate goal, well, then you're screwed. Yeah, it's always the light at the end of the tunnel, isn't it? It's always just like, okay, a little bit further, try a little bit harder, yeah. then, then you'll get the happiness. And it's yeah. almost, yeah. And then, as in... Um, because also tied in that was this idea of you didn't like this idea of that um, everything you know it's it's just a, it's a false delusional maxim this idea of like everything happens for a reason isn't it yeah yeah I, that stuff just is the guaranteed way to unleash my inner Conan the Barbarian and want to just punch people really hard yeah I mean it's like there's a lot of bad shit that happens in life and it's kind of like the everything happened for a reason some like uh, bullshit rationalization to me to just make yourself feel better that you live in a universe where everything makes sense mm. I don't know I mean I love to believe it I don't really see the evidence for it and uh, and so I feel it's a way to kind of exercise uh, tragedy, exercise pain, and just try not to, not even exercise, because if you exercise it, you're actually doing something good, to just deny it, to just have this denial thing of like, well, it's not really as bad as it looks, it's because it ultimately all makes sense, and it happens for a reason, and I'm like, sometimes not. Mm. I, th- I, th- I think what's about that point, I think um, on the one hand, it seems like, if you say like everything happens for a reason, I guess there's some comfort in that, that it's like, okay, fate or it's out of my hand. So, I mean, there's some sort of comfort where, you know, there's a, there's a master plan. I understand the rationale, but also I think it's actually a lot more exciting and uplifting to realize that maybe not everything happens for a reason. And mm-hmm. then to actually realize that you are in the driving seat or so, if, or, so if, if you don't like something around your life, rather than think, okay, this is my lot fate, actually, get up and do something about it and actually change your reality. And I think that's, it seems scary at first, but I think that's quite a more uplifting and more uh, empowering thought anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, uh, and again, I don't like the lie part. Because I understand the purpose. You know, once you say everything happened for a reason, then you have the motivation to figure out how to deal with the cards you're given, which is an empowering attitude. So I can respect that. Mm. But why lie to begin with? Why say that it happens for a reason? No, maybe it doesn't happen for a fucking reason. But still, these are the cards you have. So how are you going to play them? You know, 
to me, once you acknowledge the ugly side, then I'm all for where they are trying to go, which is to have an empowering attitude and uh, make the best of any situation. But step one to me is acknowledging what the situation is and not just trying to deny it and say, no, it's all for the best. It's all great. It's all, even if you don't see it, it's really a blessing in disguise. It's like, it's not a fucking blessing in disguise. It's horrible. But since sitting here and saying it's horrible from here to forever is not going to help anybody. Okay, now what can I do to make it better? You know, I find that more honest. Yeah. And do you find that by just being honest with yourself and seeing it for what it is, if it's a crap situation, say, hey, it's a crap situation and just you know, not deluding yourself. Does that mm-hmm. take some of the the power away from it? Do you know what I mean? Where it's almost like, um, you know, the monster under the bed. It's, you know, the, the idea, the fear is actually scarier than the reality itself. So do you think by being really honest with yourself and saying, just looking at the situation, saying, hey, this is a situation, I wouldn't have asked for this, I don't like it, but it's being really upfront and honest and about that, do you think, does that take away some of its hold over you? I, I think a little bit. Because sometimes it may be just as scary as advertised, but... Mm denying it doesn't really make it less scary because in the back of your mind there's something that doesn't believe it there's something that you know that you're bullshitting yourself so there's always that something that's even more afraid to find out oops all this stuff i'm saying is really a nice rationalization to feel better about it and when you remove that and it's like you acknowledge it for what it is then there's nothing left to be i mean there's the thing itself to be afraid of but there's no fear of that your whole uh, game that you have played is going to come tumbling down. It's you look at it for what it is, and then you have actually a real shot at facing the fear. Otherwise, you're always putting this stuff in between you and the thing you're afraid of, which then, in a weird way, magnify the fear because you're afraid that the, rea- the reality is going to smack you in the face and you're going to find out. Yeah. What's, what, what's your um, relationship with... Failure, like how, how do you view failing and failure? I mean, because I, I know I, I saw that somewhere you like, um, I may fail, big fucking deal. It's about more right. important how the game plays out. Like, is, is that how, how you view failure? Yeah, I mean, failure sucks. There's just no way about it, right? Yeah. It's, so it's nobody likes. It's like, yay, today I'm gonna fail. That's so cool. It's like <laughs> nobody likes it. At the same time, it's that's the reality. Is, you don't always control the outcome. You can do your best to, again, you can play your cards as good as you can. And, you know, if you play them extremely well, maybe certainly you have better shots of something good happening than if you play them in a horrible way. But at the end of the day, you don't have full control over everything that happens. So failure is always a possibility. And ultimately, failure is a guarantee if you try enough things. You know, eventually you're going to screw something up just by, you know, law of numbers. And so to me, it's like, well, it's okay. I mean, it's not great, but that's the reality of the situation. What I don't want is to be paralyzed by the fear of failure. I think I may fail. It's going to feel awful when I do. So I'm not even going to try. So I fail without even bothering to play the game. It's like that's the way where you lose without even getting to play. You know, you lose after you play your heart out, you're pissed, you're like, this sucks, this is horrible, but hey, you know, you did everything you could. You fail because you're afraid of the result? Well, that's sad. Yes, yeah, it's, it's like the, uh, did you ever hear the um, the J.K. Rowling, um, the, her commencement speech? Like, you know, because uh, she, she said something like, um, if you're so cautious that you live through life, you know, through fear of failure, then and you don't try anything, then you kind of failed by default. So, hey, yeah, you might, exactly. you're might you going to fail anyway, either by default, yep. by not trying anything, or you're going to fail by doing stuff. So, hey, you might as well just 
live it out and actually just just roll with it and actually just fail but fail on a bigger scale but you know more yeah i did, uh, I did a podcast with mike vallely who's like a god of skateboarding and uh he's uh kind of bolts out kind of guy and i forget if it was the title of the podcast or something he just mentioned he had this line that i loved that was like failure glorious failure because he was all about you know he's like yeah sometimes you are gonna go down hard but <laughs> embrace it own it do it in the most amazing way possible and uh, we sure gotta fail fail in an epic fashion i like that yeah just just fail big you said on, on an interview it's like what would be your main commandment and the answer you gave was joy in the midst of desperation why <laughs> why what can you can you explain that and maybe say what you meant by that that's actually an EQ line, the guy that we were talking about earlier, the Japanese Zen master. <laughs> the myths of desperation. I love it because it's like, it's precisely that idea that even when everything is panning out as in your worst nightmares, what can you do about it at that moment? You know, yes, maybe you don't change the ultimate outcome, but can you find a way to be to have at least a moment of happiness just right now in the middle of an overall circumstance that maybe you can't change and you can't affect the context. But can you find a way to be happy in the moment anyway? There's a whole Zen parable that I love that's about this guy who's been chased by a tiger in the jungle who like in order to escape the tiger dangles himself from this vine because his day is not going quite bad enough already there's another tiger that comes from the bottom at the bottom of the cliff so he can't really just drop himself either and on top of it all you have these two mice who start munching on the vine he's holding on to so you know he's really screwed and right <laughs> at the moment he sees this amazing red strawberry just barely out of reach and so the whole you know the whole story is setting up what's he gonna do you know is he gonna try to swing himself and get the strawberry but that's even more likely that he's gonna fall to his death you know, he's setting up this impossible situation. And then the last line of that story just say how sweet it was, meaning the strawberry. You know, it doesn't tell you, yeah, he works out. It works out in the end and he managed to jump over and avoid it. You know, it doesn't tell you anything. He doesn't indulge in the negative part either. It doesn't say he gets eaten in horrible fashion. But he does focus on that one second. Man, that strawberry was good. <laughs> I love that. So we can just, through life, however, you know, terrible things might seem in your situation, if you can just find that, that strawberry, if you can find that moment of, of joy or happiness. Yeah. I, think, I think that was amazing because one thing which was, you know, in, you've, I don't know if I want to bring it up, but you went through, you know, some absolute great tragedy, like losing your wife and, you know, being like, you know, single father of like a 19-month-old um, um, child and... Yep. All at the same time, you were like losing your house, and it was just—it was this obviously this terrible time. But you, you managed to through. I think was it writing the book, um, fifty, fifty, um, uh, fifty things. Like have you, you kept on actually being able to find just those little nuggets, just even for like a second of just joy or laughter, or just in the midst of this terrible situation. Is, is that correct? I think yeah. There's something there that happened for me where where you lose any illusion that things can work out and you do have that moment where it's like shit it really it's hard to imagine you getting it worse now mm. there's a moment in me that gets um then i lose fear because what's there to be afraid of you know you're afraid of when you have something that you're hoping for that you have an attachment you know hope nourishes fear because you're hoping that the result will be a certain way and you're afraid that it won't but when you see that the result sucks 
and there's not, you know, when hope is dwindling, paradoxically, even fear goes down. And so in that moment, to me, what happens to me is I get that kind of uh, defiance moment where I'm just like, well, you know what, fuck you, I'm still here. And despite the fact that everything is trying to crush me, I'm going to find one way to be happy right now. And then we'll worry about the next second when it comes. And maybe I'll find that moment again and maybe again. And maybe you string enough, enough moments where, again, it may or may not change the outcome, but at least you are denying the power over you to suffering moment by moment. Yeah, amazing. And then, and then what is it in, in that moment, then you're okay. And then just next section, as the next moment comes, then deal with that moment rather than thinking like the, the big picture. If I can just deal with the, this next moment, then you know, yep. sort of stepping stones. Yep. And that's the battle. You know, it starts again every other second. Yeah. And, um, some moments you do great, some moments not so much. Well, okay, there's another one coming up. Let's try that again. You know, and you, you encourage your daughter to quit, like, like you, sort of like to question everything, but while at the same time keeping an open mind. And I love that idea from even when, uh, you know, you're even just a child, because just to be instilled with those beliefs of just, Question, 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 but be open to it. And I, I love those those two combinations of being questioning everything, being curious, questioning, but then also being open-minded just to the world and everything around. Yeah, because I've seen enough weird, weird stuff in my life that I'm not, you know, I'm not the hardcore scientific materialist that I only what can be proven in the lab is real to me. You know, there's so much out there that I don't know. It doesn't mean that I'm going to accept everything on faith that somebody throws at me. You know, I don't believe in anything per se, but I don't disbelieve in anything either. It's kind of like there's what I've experienced and then there's everything else. What I've experienced, I know. I don't need to have faith in it. I know it. And what I haven't experienced, I haven't. So it's there. It's not there. Well, it doesn't really matter until I actually experience it. Until then, it's all hearsay and it doesn't really matter to argue about it. Yeah. And what's, what's the, um, the deal with, because I mean, I, I know the basics of it, but like you talk about yin and yang and this idea of balance and there's two sides to everything. Um, and what, 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 what exactly is that? Do you, do you just feel that with anything, there's, there's two sides to any story or I mean, cause, cause the word yin yang came up quite a lot just when, you know, finding out about you and like other stuff you're talking about, like, sure. what is that? What's the connection of that? Well, I think the, we do live in a universe where there's duality. But I like to think as duality, rather in the classic uh, Western sense of good and evil, where there's always a positive and a negative, and it's never... That also exists, but I also like to think of all the other kind of dualities, where it's not that one is good and one is bad, it's different sides of experience, you know, masculine and feminine, hot and cold, uh, uh, assertive and sweet. You know, all things where... So much of our culture privileged developing one aspect and, you know, to be this way and not the other way. And to me, it's like having more to yourself, being, you know, who said that in order to be strong, you have to sacrifice being sensitive or vice versa. Why not both? Uh, when you are strong and sensitive, you become so much more of an interesting human being your strength actually has a purpose and your sensitivity is now wimpy. That's great. They are, you, you improve even the half that you add. It becomes better when you unite it with something else. So to me, the whole Taoist thing of mixing what most people keep separate, you know, letting opposites sweetly dance with each other as opposed to being in this, locked in this fight against each other. To me, that's what a lot of life is about. 
I really, really dig Taoism. It makes a lot of sense to me. I find it ways to apply it just about every other day. So um, it's a big thing for me. I love that. And now just a couple of speed round questions to finish off. Like, what does a fulfilled life mean to you? I think ultimately many people think that happiness or joy is superficial, that there's something deeper to it. I don't necessarily feel that way. I think that... Uh, um, and my definition of happiness may be different, you know, it's not purely stereotypical, haha, laugh around all the time. It may also involve intense emotion. They may not be stereotypically happy, but I like a epic life. I like an intense life. I like a life that's, you know, with this sense of powerful emotions shaping who you are, good, bad, you know, it all goes into this living life with full awareness, chest out, embracing it, and uh, and ultimately find a way to smile about it all. I think there's uh, wisdom in that. I think that's what, to me, the whole game is about. If there is any deeper purpose, well, uh, we'll find out when the curtains closes. And <laughs> there's, I don't know if there's any deeper purpose or not. Until then, joy seems like a hell of a good purpose to me. That's awesome. And what is one thing our listeners can do today that will have a massive positive effect on their lives? I think one of the greatest talents that one should try to develop that anybody can work on all the time is empathy. And I don't mean empathy as in being nice to other people. I mean, that's maybe a byproduct of that. I mean, empathy as in the ability to put yourself in somebody, to, to feel life, to see life through their eyes to really understand how other human beings work. Because if you're able to do that, you can avoid so many stupid fights. You can see what's going to happen with people sometime before it does, because you are, if you put yourself in their shoes, you know already how they're going to react to certain situations, which means that you have a chance to play your cards in a way that may be more beneficial to that interaction. I think that ability to listen to other people, really get to know them, not just project your stuff, not wait for them to be done talking so you can have your turn, but really listen to what other people are about so you understand them, so you can, uh, I, I think is one of the greatest talents that you then can apply to a million different things. And I think kindness is a byproduct of when you feel life through somebody else's uh, perceptions. But that's again, it's not the only thing I'm focusing on. I think the the talent before that is that ability to feel in the first place. They give you choices on how what you're gonna do with all this information. Are there any books or resources which have changed or had a big impact on you? Um, some of my top favorite books, I would say, "Das um, Spoken Zarathustra" by Nietzsche, "The um, Tao Te Ching." and uh, all the writings by EQ is just too funny. <laughs> uh, and Tom Robbins. Tom Robbins is a hell of a novelist. He wrote this crazy novel, Still Life with Woodpecker, Jitterbook Perfume. He's brilliant. I love that guy. Uh, those are some of my all-time tops. Oh, amazing. I'm going to put them all in the show notes. And last but not least, how can people stay in touch? Where can we send them? How can people find out more about you? Um... Oh, one website, just my name, Daniele, Daniel with an E at the end, Daniele Bolelli, B-O-L-E-L-L-I dot com. Um, my podcast, The Drunken Taoist, is on iTunes, Stitcher, all the other stuff. Um, Twitter, I guess, is my first initial, just the letter D 
and then my last name, Bolelli. Um, you know, Amazing. any of the above work. And I put them all in the show notes. Thank you so so much for uh, for talking to me today. It's been absolutely, it's been so much fun. I've, lo- I've absolutely loved it. And um, a lot of those questions, I was like, well, what questions should I be asking? What questions do I actually want to ask myself? So I was like, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. I think the second one won pretty much. So um, I Thanks, really I really appreciate it. It's been awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you.